Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to the Brave Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. At the end of this talk, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Facebook or Instagram, where you can get even more connected to what's going on in our community. But most importantly, we hope the following talk inspires you to take your next step in finding or following Jesus. Happy Mother's Day. Well, I am, I am one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad to be here with you. We're glad to be here with you to honor and to celebrate our moms. We really are. Whether it's your first time or if you've never been to church before, we are so glad that you're here. Since it's Mother's Day, I thought I would open with a few facts on moms. Modern moms here in the U.S., they have on the average of two kids. In the 1950s, they had the average of three to five kids, but in the 1700s, they had an average of seven to 10 kids. Average, that's a lot of kids. Did you know that every sweater that Mr. Rogers wore in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood was hand-knit by his mother? So sweet. Tim Duncan, a former NBA star with San Antonio Spurs, he sacrificed money and stayed in college for four years instead of going directly to the NBA because he made a promise to his dying mother to graduate from college with a degree. Go mom, right? Well, these last few weeks here at Brave, we've been in a talk series called Love Story, going through the book of Ruth. And like every great love story, in this story, we see some really fascinating characters. Ruth has a mother named Naomi. And one of the things that I've always loved about their relationship was the way that Ruth treated her. Believe it or not, They weren't even biologically related. And I love my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law is one of the most grace-filled women that I know. And when I was around 16 or 17, she taught a Bible study class, and it was called Ladies of Grace. And I had the privilege of attending her class. And I really, really enjoyed it. But don't misunderstand me. I have a great relationship with my mom. She's wonderful. She's a wonderful woman of God and a woman of faith. But I love the fact that you don't even have to be biologically related to have a mother in faith. That's one of the most beautiful aspects of the church. We're family connected by what Jesus has done for us. What you have in common with other followers of Jesus is the most true thing about you. Let's begin in prayer. God, I just thank you. I thank you for each one that's here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our ears, Lord Jesus, so that way we can receive what you have for us today. Amen. We're going to pick back up in Ruth chapter 2, verses 14 through 23. If you didn't get notes on your way in, just raise your hand and someone will get those notes to you right now. I'm going to go ahead and begin to read our passage. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. The wine vinegar basically was just a delicacy that made the bread even taste better. When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. And the roasted grain of that day was just their staple food, like we would have rice, rice or beans. Uh, She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to glean, Boaz gave orders to his men, let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. 
even pull out some stocks for her from the bundles and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she, then she, harvest, then she threshed the barley um, that she had gathered, which basically means she just separated the plant from the grain. I mean, it amounted to about an ephah. She carried it back to town and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. Her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. Then Ruth told her, she told her mother-in-law about the one whose place she had been working. The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. Then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay close with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it would be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed. So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished as she, as she lived with her mother-in-law. Today's talk is titled True Grit because grit just isn't for dads or westerns. Ruth, she had grit. So turn to the person next to you and just say, she got grit. And she did. Ruth, she, she was a hard, hard worker. And a lot of people think that they have grit, true grit. Well, a lot of people think that they have true grit because they work so hard. You work hard. You work hard work. It stands out and it gets noticed and it moves us ahead in our careers. Ruth, she was that hard worker. And, and being a hard worker in and of itself wasn't enough. She had a different kind of grit. She had a spiritual kind of grit. She had true grit because she was motivated by love. Many of us in this room work so hard. You work hard on your job. You work hard at home. You even work hard on your commute, on your way to work. Wow, God wants more for you than, than working hard. He wants you to work hard with the right motivation. He wants you to understand the difference between our culture's version of grit and what is a truer grit, a spiritual kind of grit. I believe God wants for us all to have true grit. So let's discover together what that looks like this morning. Number one there in your notes, true grit rolls up its sleeves for others. So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. Then she threshed the barley she had gathered and it amounted to about an ephah. An ephah was very heavy. It was about a half of a bushel and was an unusually generous amount for one day of gleaning. It weighed about 30 pounds and was enough food for many days. They would generally put an ephah on a donkey to carry it different places, but Ruth, like she was known to be as strong as an ox, and she carried 30 pounds daily back to town throughout the entire harvest time, which was two to three months. At the end of the harvest, she would have enough food that would last two to 
or two, uh, two-thirds of a year. That's a lot. The point is, is that Ruth, she really knew how to roll up her sleeves, but she didn't just do this for herself. Day in and day out, she pushed herself. She pushed through the unknowns of her future. Two of Ruth's strongest values were honor and loyalty. Somehow, Ruth had a sense that being tied to Naomi would bring blessing to her future. She didn't know how or why, but she had hope. And her belief was, your God will be my God. She acted out on her faith. And she moved forward, even though it wasn't easy for her. Grit, it means to have a resolve, a strength of character, to persevere and to endure. She made decisions for her life based on what she believed and what she valued most, not based on how she felt. Sometimes, isn't it just easier to make a decision that's easy? Right? It is. But oftentimes, it's those harder ones that really are the better ones. It's kind of like going to the gym. So you can go to the gym, you can go on a walk or some form of exercise instead of just sleeping in every day just because it feels good, right? You know what I always want? I always want chocolate. I just do. And my body reacts negatively when I have too much. You might be one of those people that say, yeah, but dark chocolate, it's really good for you. Well, I know that a little, but not a lot, right? I may not be an alcoholic, but I'm a recovering chocoholic. A few weeks ago, I went on a trip. My son Samuel, Pastor Samuel, took me to Paris, and I, post, I posted it on Facebook, and I encouraged moms and their sons to spend some quality time together. Wow, that really took off. A lot of people responded to that. But I just want to give a shout out to Marcy, my daughter, because I don't know many daughters who are newly married with a new baby that would say, you need to go take mom on this trip. That's real love. (laughs) Really is. While we were there, I had the world's best chocolate. I mean, it was amazing. I got chocolate wasted. Check out this photo. (laughs) It was amazing. And I thought when I was there, wouldn't it be so awesome to have this chocolate for moms, for you women, for you ladies, to be able to experience what I experienced? Yes. So I do have you a piece of chocolate, but you have to, you have to eat it like slow, like little bites, because you have to savor it. And if you just stick it in your mouth, chew it up and swallow it, you're going to miss it. So take, take little bites, savor it, and then just close your eyes, think of it. So moms, this is for you. But seriously, on the day-to-day, because I value my health, I don't even keep chocolate in my home because I can't handle the temptation, really. It's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. Roy Disney. Ruth had the ability to work towards a goal. True grit is developed in us by the decisions and the choices that we make when the heat is on. True grits developed in us when we lose someone that we love and yet we keep loving others. It's easy to pull back when we're hurting and when we're in pain. We pull back away from people. We pull back away from God. But you know, true grit, it keeps loving. Why? Because 
We follow a savior who went through the ultimate loss and worst pain imaginable for us. What we experience may hurt, but it matters. Real love is gritty. True grit is also developed in you when you are in any kind of physical pain. Physical pain, it tries to steal the joy right out of you. And if you let it, it'll make you cranky and mean. Isn't that the truth? But joy, joy comes by being in Christ's presence. The good news for followers of Jesus is our pain is never wasted. Never waste your pain. That's kind of a family trait of ours. Never waste your pain. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What would it look like if you rolled up your sleeves and said, okay, God, let's get to work. I wonder how your pain could be used to help others. How easy is it for you to be happy for others when they're on the mountaintop and you're in the valley? One of the first times that I was really needing to have true grit was when I was young and new to being in ministry. I was in my early 20s, and Pastor Darren and I were on staff at a church. And the church was having this this known worship artist come and do a concert. So after the concert, I was leaving and headed towards my car, and the worship pastor called out to me and said, hey, come back in here. I want this guy to hear you sing. I've been telling him all about you. So I came back in, and I sang, and he heard me, and he said, I would love it if you would go on tour with me and open for all my concerts, and also, I want to help you produce your first CD, or back then, it was album. Um, (laughs) I know, I I just dated myself. But um, this was an open door, and as quickly as that door opened, a few months later, it closed and was shut. That same year, I actually had other opportunities in the music industry, they were coming to me. It wasn't like I was pursuing them. They were coming to me. But each one, one by one, the door was closed. After about a year of this, really, I was kind of getting hurt at God because I thought he was bringing these things and these opportunities to me, and I didn't know why they weren't working out. I was at a critical point in my relationship with him, and I really needed some answers And one evening, a friend of mine came over and we went on a walk together. And she said, Tracy, look up in the sky. We both looked up in the sky. And and as we did, this amazing shooting star just filled the sky, was going over us. It was like one of those, ah, wow moments where you just were so captivated by it. As fast as it flew by, it then disappeared. And my friend, she said to me, Do you see that star over there? Totally different star. And there was another one, and it was brilliant. It was bright, it was strong, and it was steady. And she said to me, Tracy, that's you. God hasn't called you to be a shooting star. You're bright, you're strong, and you're a steady star that will last. This was when I realized that true grit wasn't about me being a shooting star that people noticed. It was about me being a bright, steady, and constant star as I rolled up my sleeves for the people that were right around me. Sometimes true grit 
seems less glamorous because it doesn't reward you the way that you think it will. If your grit is all about you, you're never going to see the reward of a life that reaches and goes beyond you. God made it clear to me that my life's purpose was first and foremost was for the people that were right around me. This was my calling. True grit rolls up its sleeves for others. And number two, true grit gives at personal expense. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Boaz gave orders to his men, even even pull out some stops for her from the bundles and have them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her. Boaz gave at his own personal expense. He gave Ruth a seat at his table and he gave her food by giving orders to his men to let her glean in his fields. He told them to be kind to her and to give her extra. Boaz wasn't really interested in the way that he looked in Ruth's eyes as much as he was genuinely interested in being kind and helping her and Naomi. She was given permission to glean in a part of the field that was normally off limits to poor gleaners. She was given the same opportunity as Boaz's other female workers and then some. Even Ruth would have known that this was highly unusual, especially since she was a foreigner. Boaz, he didn't hold back his generosity. He was generous because he gave freely without any obligation. But I noticed Ruth. Ruth was generous because she gave at her own personal expense too. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over after she had eaten enough. She had worked all day and she saved some fruit, some food for Naomi. That tells us that they were in need of food and that they were hungry. Suffering and sacrifice have been a part of my journey for a long time. And the nature of what I face on a day-to-day basis could make my world so small. Um, That's the thing about suffering without a godly perspective, is that your whole world can just become about you. But I know, I know what it's like to feel entitled. I know what it's like to go to the sidelines. And I know what it's like to leave the game. But when I feel that temptation, God reminds me that I'm not created to fizzle out like a shooting star. That my strength is in the Lord. And my purpose is still bigger than my struggle. Is your purpose in life bigger than your struggle? Is your purpose bigger? How are you giving your life away? I know that I am because I am a minister of the gospel. As young, talented, and good-looking as our quarterback, Derek Carr, is, (laughs) I've heard him say, what I do is play football. It's a means to an even greater end. Being a quarterback is not Derek Carr's identity. Someday, his career will be over in the NFL. But Derek is a minister of the gospel, too. Whether he's on the field or off the field. True grit is being okay with being faithful where God has you in each season of your life. And I just want to read that again. True grit 
is being okay. It's you being okay with you being faithful where God has you in each season of your life. Not just waiting for your circumstances to change. God wants you to give your best life. He wants us all to give our best life today. True grit, it means to have a resolve to do whatever it takes. When we say like, Ruth, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to run away. We're making decisions that define our character. Generosity is a measure of our heart. It shifts the focus off of ourselves. When I was 13 years old, I was attending this church where I actually accepted Christ into my heart, and they were having a special service, and it was giving towards the new building that they were going to be building. And they did, by the way, and it was awesome. That church was filled with so much life and joy. It was booming, and really, it reminded me a lot of Brave. It really did. And at the end of the pastor's talk, I knew that I wanted to give something, but I didn't have anything. I thought about my options, and the only thing that I had were these little gold earrings that I was wearing that my best friend's grandmother had given me. I know it may sound silly, but this was all I had, and they were the most valuable thing that I owned at 13. I quietly, and I just quickly, I slipped them off my ears, and I put them in the giving basket as it went by. (laughs) I can't even begin to tell you how much joy filled my heart and my soul. I was giving out of a pure heart, and I was giving to God. And I was part of something that was bigger than me, and I was able to contribute. And this was something that I believed in. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. I understood it before, but that day I knew it because I lived it. True grit, it rolls up its sleeves for others. True grit gives at personal expense. And lastly, number three, true grit extends kindness. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. Kindness in the Hebrew is the word hesed. Pastor Samuel talked about this last week. It's faithful love in action. It was in the daily, daily workplace that both Boaz and Ruth exhibited this kindness. And it's through our doing of kindness that people will know that we're followers of Jesus. One of my favorite definitions of kindness is strength under control. Kindness stands out when we're helping someone, when we're helping someone who's weak in an area of our strength. Among the many stories of Jesus from the book of Acts, no, no, from the book of, in the book of Luke, where Jesus is speaking to his followers about helping others, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two coats is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. When we have something others need, or we see a weakness and know our strength can help, we have a choice to make. It takes true grit when we patiently work towards helping others. Yes, it takes true grit to roll up our sleeves, to give at our personal expense. 
and to be kind, to show love and action. I'd say that this is true grit. Samuel and I, when we were there, I wanted to go to see the Mona Lisa. So we needed to go to the Louvre. And the Louvre is huge. It is this big museum. And I was so excited to go. He goes, but mom, one thing. We're going to have to get you a wheelchair. Are you going to be okay with that? It's such a big place that this takes people like a couple days to even get through it all. And so I said, okay. But the first thing I want to do is see the Mona Lisa. He said, okay. So we went in, and we went in to go to see where the Mona Lisa was, and the crowds were crazy, pressing in. I mean, honestly, they were so pressed in, and there was about, like, um, roped off 10 feet away from the Mona Lisa, and everybody's cell phones were up, and they were clicking, snapping pictures. It was really awesome. And so we walked in, and I said, okay, let's do this. And so this couple of people, workers there, they motioned for us to come over on the side. So Samuel wheeled me over there, and we just followed them, and we're like walking past the people that were all, you know, over on the side, roped off, and so many. And they wheeled us right up to the front. I mean, right now we're like only three feet away from the Mona Lisa. It was incredible. I was really overwhelmed. I was humbled. I was grateful. And I felt like we were experiencing the Hesed of, of people from God in my weakness. Here I was in this wheelchair, right? And this love and action was just like parting the way for us to go forward and go up front. And it was amazing. I didn't feel like I deserved it, but there we were closer than anyone else because I was in that wheelchair. And I was thankful at that point. (laughs) My weakness allowed others to extend kindness to me. So I want to ask you, how about you? When you're weak, do you allow people to extend kindness to you? Or do you just say, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay. Do you allow them to extend that kindness? Or do you have a strength in you that when you see somebody else that has weakness, that you can go alongside of them and give them a hand and just be the person, the instrument that God uses? Jesus, he has true grit for you. He rolled up his sleeves and he went to work for you. Jesus, he came here with a goal, with a mission, and he knew what his purpose was. It was you. Jesus gave at his own personal expense. And when the heat was turned up, Jesus never left. He never left because it got too hard. No, he persevered and he endured. He endured a cross, death on a cross for you. And Jesus extended kindness, mercy, love, and action by offering us salvation, by receiving him into our hearts we can choose to have life eternal with him. This morning, I just want to give you an opportunity, if you don't know Jesus personally, and if you'd like to begin a relationship with him, I think it would be great. So if you could just now bow your heads, close your eyes, and if this is you this morning, you're saying, you know what? I do want Jesus in my heart and in my life. And if that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? Slip it up, thank you, and put it down. That's awesome. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And if you agree with this prayer in your own heart, say yes. Jesus, I realize that I need you in my life. I've needed you for a long time, but I didn't know it. I wasn't ready until now. 
Show me how to live a better life. Show me how to live a life with you. I invite you to come into my heart. Amen. If you invited Christ into your heart, please, after this service, come over here and see one of our prayer team members. They want to encourage you into the family of God and pray with you. And if you're here this morning and this talk in somehow, some way has spoken to you about grit, having true grit, go to, go to a home church this week. At our home church, we meet weekly and we discuss the talk's messages. It's a, a great way to go deeper and to really experience community together. Just go to our website and check one out this week. We're going to continue in worship and praising our God, our Savior. Would you stand as we continue? Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Bay Area, we would love for you to join us at a Sunday gathering in San Ramon. For directions, gathering times, or information about our Brave Kids program, visit us at brave.church. Also, if you want to help support what God is doing through Brave, you can give online to the Brave Foundation at brave.church forward slash foundation.